0: Mercy and Analysis. Words and Music by Sean Mendes, Isley Juber, Teddy Geiger, and Danny Parker. The analysis of this song was created to showcase the craftsmanship that went into creating this work and to understand techniques and architecture used in modern songwriting. Mercy offers many unique features and some seemingly hidden under the surface. I hope through analysis we can highlight these techniques in order to give you new ideas and inspiration for your music. I believe this composition contains some ambiguous elements, which in some ways sets it apart, creating emotion and various shades of color. Let's start on the surface and then dig deeper and deeper. First of all, we're in 4-4 time and we have the key signature of G major. There is an intro, different verses different choruses, a bridge, and an outro. Not to break any copyright laws, I will not play the recording, but I will play some examples. Please listen to the original as we work through this analysis. The introduction is based on the chord progression, E minor, G, B minor, and A, one measure each. In fact, the verses and the choruses are based on this same four chord progression. The melody is a four-bar phrase played twice as he hums. Now at this point we have our first interesting question. The key signature G, the melody is centered around an E natural minor scale, the relative minor to the key of G. E, F sharp, G, A, B, C, D, E. So far, all normal. However, the chords are in and reinforce the key of D major. E minor is the two chord, G is the four chord, B minor is the six chord, and A is the five chord. If you're not familiar with chords and their relationship in the key and the use of Roman numbers, there are free charts available on Google with all the keys, major and minor, and the use of Roman numbers. So we are basically simultaneously in two different keys. Even more impactful is the fact that non-chord tones are so prominent and emphasize supporting the lyrics, which add to the emotion of the song. Let's look at some of these now. Now, I understand that many, many songwriters do not work with the notes like this. They play chords on a guitar keyboard and then hear melodies in their mind. So if you're not familiar with the concept of chord and non-chord tones, basically, just think of a piano, a C chord, C-E-G. So the chord tones, the non-chord tones would be the ones not in that chord. So it's very simple, but they all have certain colors and functions that I will just mention briefly as we go through the introduction. I will play the first measure slowly, notice how the color of each note changes against the chord. Whenever I talk about music, I always compare it to a painter and his work. There are people who see color when they hear music. I personally think of the chords as the background, the same way a painter applies paint to a canvas. The first layer sets the tone and direction for the rest of the work. Against the opening E minor chord, the notes are A, B, D, and then back to B. Let me play that. So let's listen. The first note, the A, is the fourth, is a non-chord tone. The next note, the B, is the fifth of the chord, a chord tone. The next note, the D, is the minor seventh. So not in this chord, but it creates a minor seventh and then back to B, the fifth of the chord. Let's listen. A, non-chord tone. B, chord tone. D, non-chord tone. B, chord tone. Chord tones create consonants, rest, and strength. Non-chord tones create and express varying degrees of tension and color. Now, I realize at an up-tempo, these subtleties are more felt subconsciously than consciously heard. Many times in all art forms, whether it's music, painting, the movies, still pictures, there are many hidden images and sounds that affect us. In earlier podcasts, I brought up the fact that there was a book all about subliminal advertising in which They told us about how advertisers, let's say on a print page for a liquor, might in the ice cubes in the glass, put like death heads or naked women to subconsciously draw you into the ad. In movies, when they were on film, they would insert frames that might have a scary image during a horror movie to scare you. There are countless hidden images in paintings and in literature. My point, is that I think these notes, these very emotional notes, you will sense. I'd like to give one more brief example in the second measure, and then we will move on to the verse. In the second measure, we have a G chord, and the notes against it are A, B, F sharp, and E. Now, the A and B are the first two notes in the first measure, but they will sound different because of the backing chord. We then move up to an F sharp, the major 7th to this chord, an emotional note, and down to the 6th, the E. So let's listen to the color of these notes. A, non-chord tone. B, chord tone. Non-chord tone, the major 7th. E, the 6th. Throughout the rest of the song, this interplay of chord and non-chord tones is constantly present. Combine this with the fact that the harmony, the chords are in the key of D, and the melody stresses the key of E minor. As we have seen in podcasts number 17 and 18, analysis of Reeling in the Years and Under the Bridge, the use of non-chord tones add a great deal of emotion to any work. If you are further interested in the study of harmony, of chord tones, non-chord tones, and everything related to songwriting, I have a book available on Amazon, The Songwriter's Guide to Melodies. Verse one. Here we have two four-bar sentences. Each sentence contains two phrases. Sentence one, the first phrase. You've got a hold on me. Second phrase don't even know your power. The second sentence, the first phrase is, I stand a hundred feet. And the second phrase is, but I fall when I'm around you. The first thing to notice is that both sentences are musically the same. There is a slight variation on the lyrics, but I fall when, but other than that, It's exactly the same, which is vital in having the listener remember your music. The chord progression stays the same and also the use of the E natural minor scale against those chords. Also the same dependency on non-chord tones. The third sentence also has two phrases, however now the music is different. The chords stay the same, but the melody has changed. The lyrics are, show me an open door for the first phrase, and then the second phrase, then you go and slam it on me. The first phrase, and then the second phrase. What is most important here is, even though the notes may be different, the rhythm is the same. So the continuity is kept. That is important for all songwriters to keep some kind of a rhythmic motif in your melody and in fact in the chord progressions also. Repetition and continuity hold the listener. Let's compare the first two measures Let's compare the first two measures of the first sentence and the first two measures of the third sentence. The first sentence now the first two measures of the third sentence. Harmonically and rhythmically they are exact, but the melody is different. The fourth sentence, I can't take anymore, I'm saying, baby, please have. This sentence is basically the same as the first two, except the second phrase introduces the chorus. Let's listen to the first phrase. I can't take any more. Exactly the same as the opening of the first two sentences. Now, this second phrase of the fourth sentence is very interesting. The first measure is practically the same as the first measure of the third sentence. The notes of I'm saying... are the same notes as, show me. Now the last measure of the verse, the words baby please have, we have, we have something different to introduce the chorus. In other words, a pickup to the chorus. What I find very interesting in here is, it is an A chord, the notes are A, C sharp, and E, And the notes of the melody are B, the ninth, D, the 4th, F-sharp and F-sharp, the 6th. So none of the notes right there are in that chord. If we were to call the first, second, and fourth sentences of the verse letter A, and we were to call the third sentence letter B, we would have an A-A-B-A form. This is an extremely popular form in music. It is used in all types of music throughout music history. When you look at standard songs, the older songs, they used to follow this A-A-B-A form, with A being the verse and B, the bridge. One of the most useful tools for a songwriter is to go on Google and type in you would like the lyrics and the chords to a particular song which then brings you to many sites which would give you these lyrics and chords, plus the form of the song. It'll say intro, verse, so on. I have seen people label the first two sentences as the verse and the third and fourth sentence as a pre-chorus. Now, in my previous podcast, I talked quite a bit about pre-choruses, which are used quite extensively today. And I can see where that could be understood that way But for me personally, since I see an A-A-B-A form, I think that this is a complete verse. Although I could see it the other way, too. Another reason I say this song has a lot of ambiguity, which I personally think is great. Now, as we enter the chorus, one more important technique that many songwriters will use the beginning of the verse, the first two sentences, the background is mostly a whole note chords, four beats each. But in the third and fourth sentence, the music becomes a little more active. You see they're building up to the chorus, where it really explodes. In podcast 18, Under the Bridge, we also see a gradual buildup of emotion, dynamics, and intensity. Now we are ready for the chorus. As the chorus enters, the first thing we notice is the rhythmic gesture that now dominates the rest of the song. So far, up to this point in the song, even though we're in 4-4 time, the emphasis is very, very strong on the first beat. At the end of the first verse, we notice the accompaniment becoming a little more active. That same accompaniment Continues here, but now we have the added rhythm, plus more instruments and some backing vocals, definitely intensifying the chorus. The chorus keeps the same four chord progression. In many songs you will notice that if certain sections keep the same chordal background, for example in this instance, the chorus, the verse, the introduction, To delineate the different sections, they will make the background different, add voices, add instruments. So in your music, if you wish to keep the same chordal background, that is a very useful technique. I also see something very interesting here in the chorus. Now you know many choruses keep the same words in music, repeated at different points in the song, and then of course at the end, over and over, which becomes the hook. In this case, I see the chorus divided into two parts, two sections. The same chords, E minor, G, B minor, and A. Now, the first sentence is, actually starts at the end of the verse. Baby, please have mercy on me. Take it easy on my heart. And then the second sentence, even though you don't mean to hurt me, you keep tearing me apart. Exactly as it was in the verse, There are two sentences divided into two phrases. And then another two sentences divided into two phrases. And here we have two sentences divided into two phrases each. See the continuity? Very important. First sentence, first phrase. Baby, please have mercy on me. Second phrase. Take it easy on my heart. Second sentence. Even though you don't mean to hurt me, That's the first phrase. Now the second phrase, you keep tearing me apart. As you listen to the music, you will notice that they're practically the same. As you listen to the music, notice how it's the same music with a few extra notes uh, here and there for added lyrics. Same technique as the verse. The sentences are almost the same. In the verse, the first, second, and fourth sentences were practically the same. So in the chorus... We follow the same procedure. Also, take notice how the phrase starts at the end of the previous chord cycle on the A chord. Now here in the second section, the second part of the chorus, we keep the same chords as we've heard throughout the whole song. The background stays the same as the first part of the chorus. Now this part sounds like a more traditional chorus because it uses the same words every time it's repeated and it also follows the same pattern. It has two sentences. The phrases are broken up a little more. There's more room in between. They start on the A chord, the end of the previous chordal section. The rhythm and background stay the same. No drop off in intensity. And musically, both sentences are the same. The first sentence, would you please have mercy, mercy on my heart. The second sentence, would you please have mercy mercy on my heart." A perfect hook. This is why I see this as a two-part chorus. Now we move into the second verse. It's musically the same as the first verse, with of course new lyrics, but there are some extra notes to fit these new lyrics and some vocal embellishments to the main melody. Also now, the background vocals become more prominent. The chords and that dominant rhythm continue, but now eighth notes are also added into the background. The intensity is still growing. At the end of the second verse, we go back to the chorus, but here we have a great twist, something unexpected. The second part of the chorus, the part with the hook is now heard first, which then leads to the first part of the chorus, only this time with new words. The first time we heard, have mercy on me, Take it easy on my heart. But now we have Mercy on Me and the second group of lyrics, I'm a puppet on your string and even though you've got good intentions, I need you to set me free. The first time we heard the first part of the chorus, let's say that's section A. Then we heard the second part, the one that's like a hook, part B. Now they reverse the order. Now we hear part B first, then part A with new words, and then part B. So what they've created in the chorus is the B-A-B form. Really interesting. There are a lot of subtle things in this song that you don't see often. Now, after the chorus, we have a bridge. Now, with the entrance of the bridge, we have a totally new section. In the history of songwriting, the older standards, where most songs followed an A-A-B-A form, where the verse was called A, and the contrasting section, the bridge, was labeled B. However, today's songwriters use the bridge as something new in opposition to the verse and chorus. Interplay. For more on the use of the bridge in modern songwriting, see podcasts number 8 and 9. In this song, we have a perfect example of the use of a modern bridge, offering something totally new as an interesting diversion. The chords for the first time move away from the progression that's been used up to now. Here still in the key of D major, one bar each we have the following chords G the four chord, B minor to six D the one chord a the five chord You know what I find interesting also is in many of those older songs that I talked about, where it was an AABA form, verse, verse, bridge, verse, the bridge most of the time would start on the four chord and end with the five chord. Now, against this new chord progression, the background is basically the same. They keep the same rhythm, a little more intense, maybe more vocals in the background, but it's still the same. But the melody now is totally different. Except for one note, it is comprised of E and F sharp. The same two notes that open the song, the first two notes of the verse, instead of F sharp to E, we now have E to F sharp. And they follow this pattern. Listen to how the notes, even though the same two notes change their sound and color as the background changes. against the G chord, against the B minor, against the D, against the A. As I mentioned earlier, the background has such an effect on everything above it. The bridge is 16 measures long. It is broken up into four sentences. As in all the previous section, two phrases make each sentence. The first sentence of the bridge, consuming all the air inside my lungs, ripping all the skin from off my bones. The second sentence, I'm prepared to sacrifice my life. I would gladly do it twice. So the second sentence is musically the same as the first sentence. The third and fourth sentences Are exactly the same as the first two sentences of the bridge. Even the words are the same. The only difference is it's an octave higher. So instead of now we have but everything else is the same. So musically it's a four bar sentence repeated three more times. And now for the last time we come back to the chorus. Here We have another variation. We have chorus A, the first part, played twice with the first set of words and then the second set of words. So this is the first time that's happened. And then that leads us into the second part of the chorus, which we had labeled chorus B, the part which just keeps repeating mercy, mercy. But there's a little change now. He says, begging you, begging you, please, baby mercy, mercy, oh, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, yeah. So it's the same as the second part that we've heard before, the hook. He just embellishes it a little more, a little more intensity. And then instead of repeating the chorus and over and over as a hook, they have a nice touch here, they end with the intro, and they come down. In other words, they, they bring everything back down to the introduction, So as I mentioned in previous podcasts with Under the Bridge, instead of repeating the hook over and over and fading out, they come down after the climax of the song, like a good book, then they wind down. Beautiful touch. As I worked on this analysis, I saw so many things that I just found so, so interesting. I hope some of the techniques that we talked about in this song can help you in your songwriting both with inspiration and new ideas, especially how to make a song memorable through repetition and intensity and various colors of the chords and the melody. Besides the original, if you get a chance on YouTube, on the show Crossroads, there's an episode with Zac Brown Band and Shawn Mendes where they do Mercy, and I think it's just amazing, especially the ending. So check that out. And in the future, I'll be doing analysis of many different types of music in different genres uh, to give you ideas and show how these great songwriters construct their works. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Ciao.